The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Folks, it's that time of year. We're starting to talk about Division I championships at Madison Square Garden, and there is absolutely one thing you cannot be without when it comes to the Division I wrestling championships this year in New York City, and that is Matt Talk Online's 2016 NCAA Division I Wrestling Preview Guide. I put this thing out last year as an independent production of Mad Talk Online. Last year it was 180 pages of facts, stats, news, notes, previews, virtually anything you can think about arguing with your friends about what happened this season, you can answer with this guide. It'll be over 180 pages again. You can get it now. Pre-order now. It will be available March 15th by going to matttalkonline.com slash fanguide16. This thing will be digitally delivered to you as soon as it's available March 15th. You're going to have every single wrestler's record results even how to say their name, their high school, their conference placement, every single wrestler, all 330 that will be competing, all sorts of history in there, qualifiers broken down by school, by conference, by home state, the qualifiers by win percentage, uh, best falls. I mean, anything you can think of when it comes to this year's championships, we will have in the Mad Talk Online NCAA preview guide available for pre-order now at matttalkonline.com slash fanguide16. Pre-order now. It's $14.99. It'll be a digital download. You can print it off on your own. Remember, print one copy. Please don't share it because this takes months to put together, and then the stretch run comes after all the D1 Conference championships. So you can go to matttalkonline.com slash fanguide16. Get your pre-order in now. It is a robust book. And let me tell you how robust it is. It's so robust, ESPN and ESPN3 use this for their research, for their Matt Side broadcasters. The ESPN team gets this. They actually have helped me put this in the hands of those, so they make sure that they've got everything they need to know to inform you if you can't make it. But if you do, you can make it. Have your iPad, your tablet, your smartphone. Sit there and look things up and scroll right through it. Be like, hey, Did so-and-so wrestle so-and-so at this point? Guess what? It's going to be in there. You're going to know the score. You're going to know the date. You're going to know when, where, everything. Who, what, when, where, why, and maybe not the how, but you'll have it all at your fingertips with a Matt Talk Online fan guide available at matttalkonline.com slash fanguide16. Pre-order today. It will be immediately delivered March 15th when it goes live. Let's circle up, folks, because it's time for the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, a show by the Virginia Wrestling Association. The Virginia Wrestling Roundup is also brought to you by Cliff Keen Athletic, built for life. Get more information on Cliff Keen products by going to matttalkonline.com slash cliffkeen. I'm Jason Bryant, a proud Virginia native, and each month we'll talk about relevant events and topics as it relates to the landscape of VAWA and the wrestling community in the state of Virginia at large. As always, you can find out all you need to know about VAWA by going to virginiawrestling.com. Episode 11 of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup podcast. Jason Bryan here with you, bringing you all the news from the Commonwealth in the great state of Virginia. It's technically a Commonwealth, so I can't really say state. But joining us today, as always, Andrew Farah, Executive Director of VAWA, State Chairman Bill Swink. Brian Hazard making another appearance. We'll talk to him later after he finishes up Taco Bell. And joining us is... 
from the USA Wrestling National Freestyle staff and a 2006 world champion, Mr. Bill Zadek, who is currently down in Texas in between Pan American Championships and Pan American Olympic qualifiers. But, uh, Andrew, I'm going to toss it to you for Mr. Zadek about uh, why Bill's on the show today and what we've got planned for wrestling in the state of Virginia with the 2006 world champ. Thanks, JB. Well, we're excited. We're very lucky to uh, have Bill and his brother Mike Zadek coming to Virginia on March 12th. Um, VAWA is, has a big day planned, and uh, uh, the highlight of that day will be a folk style to freestyle clinic with Bill and Mike. But before we get uh, to the Zadek brothers after lunch, uh, we're going to have our national team staff led by Roy Hill, uh, Mark Strickland, Ross Tomer, Sonny Close, and you know, Izzy Silva from George Mason, if he can make it and get away from his college training, uh, working with the guys in the morning to just, uh, you know, hammering the basics as we uh, transition from the, the folk style season into freestyle season. Um, but uh, really looking forward to having those guys in Virginia and uh, generally just getting our freestyle junkies together as we make that transition after folk style season. Going to pitch it over to Bill Swink. He's kind of under the weather, obviously. I think it's it's called winning sickness or something as Colonial Forge winning yet another state championship. But, Bill, uh, you got a couple things you want to chime in on before you have to uh, take care of the Robitussin and the, the sleep in the chicken soup for the wrestling soul. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Um, you know, real quick, and these other guys will talk about things. Uh, we had the kids' uh, folk style state championships this past weekend. Um, I just want to thank everyone for coming. We had 952 entries on uh, Saturday, and then we had 21 teams and 96 girls on Sunday. So, big weekend. Um, awesome wrestling. Uh, I like the direction that, that the state's going. Um, I'd like to thank some people that, that helped out a lot. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a volunteer effort. Um, Bill Grubbs, Corey Beckner, John Barr, Larry Allen, Bob and Ann Wood. Marco Mason, Paul Boswell, our announcer, who's restoring the NCAAs, Mr. Brian Hazard, Roy Hill, Amy Leonard, Steve Crocker, Ty Owens, Wayne Booker, Gary Davis, and last but not least, Andrew Farah. If I missed anybody, I apologize. Um, I'd also like to thank our uh, event sponsors, Blue Chip Athletics, uh, Richmond Sports Packers, Nike Wrestling, Defense Soap, Pink Cancer, and arm software so um great event uh four age groups on on saturday eight and under uh our top three teams were uh state champs for smithfield followed by the bandits of uh fairfax and the robinson wrestling room and Picosin. um Woo-hoo! jason bryant's old stomping grounds those were the top three um teams in the uh, eight and under division top three in the 10 and under we had the bandits winning smithfield's finished second and the front royal raptors um were third 12 and under uh virginia team predator out of richmond won. the bandits were second and smithfield was third you can see smithfield and the uh, bandits had a great weekend and the uh, 14 and under um Top three teams, the Bandits won that division, followed by the Hanover Hawkeyes and Virginia Team Predator. Uh, we had middle school and elementary club duels on Sunday. Uh, in the elementary division, the Bandits finished first. Powerhouse was second, and Virginia Elite was third. And then in the middle school, Bandits 
were first for GT Predator was second and Powerhouse finished third. So that was a great weekend. I'll, uh, I'll let you guys talk about the high school scene later. Uh, again, just want to thank everybody for a good weekend. And uh, I think I'm going to bow out. All right, thanks, Bill. State Chairman Bill Swink. He is going to, uh, again, get under the covers and, and hang out and just have some chicken soup and uh, get better. But uh, thanks for all the great work you do with VAWA, Bill. Oh, thank you. And now Bill Zadek will jump on. As, as we've kept him waiting, I'm sure he heard some things there that, that piqued his interest. He heard the word, wait, Hanover Hawkeyes? Yes, there's there's some Hawkeyes. They're all over the place. But, uh, Bill, uh, before we set this up, the, the freestyle, the folks out of freestyle thing, in our conversations in the past, we've talked about, you know, you wrestling growing up. And then when, when you were growing up in Montana, you were pretty much a freestyle Greco-only guy. And you, you didn't start wrestling the folk style side until you got really much, a lot closer to high school. Uh, what are some things that, that you try to teach when it comes to uh, preaching the, the benefits of folk style or freestyle and Greco to the folk style community and try to get them to bridge that gap? What's one thing that uh, you found to be very successful in that regard? Well, I think the first and most important thing is that uh, we come in with an open mind and just that everybody understands wrestling is wrestling, and, and it's not that different. Um, I would say it's 85 90% similarity. And I think a lot of times people are tentative to uh, cross over that they largely have experience in one style um, to change styles because they're afraid of what they don't know. And uh, when you think about it, at its essence, you know, and especially with the advent of uh, mixed martial arts. Um, and if you think of wrestling as a martial art and truly the the best base martial art, um, wrestling is wrestling. And you go in to a given situation with an open mind and figuring out how to win the battle. Um, the rules almost are irrelevant. Almost. And so... Uh, that open-mindedness of of uh, learning and being willing to take on new challenges is a big piece of it. Um, and, and then just the idea of having a broad knowledge base to draw from. That's that's really a critical element. And if you anybody that studies or is familiar with long-term athletic development models, um, then you've heard some of those concepts that uh, over specialization too early is is detrimental to your long term success, and so and that's that's talking in in a, even broader than you know talking multi sport athlete. So even within our own sports, having you know basically three three tracks of of uh, styles. Um, the, the better we can diversify our, our knowledge base, our technique, our tactic, our strategies and skills, the better and more successful athlete we're going to be or that we're going to produce. And so um, that's that's kind of the message I start with. And then, you know, and then you can drill down into some details that are a little more specific from there. But that's the that's the basic idea. Now, Bill, what's go back to Montana a little bit. I alluded to that in my introduction. I didn't give you a chance to explain it, but explain uh, what it was like growing up in Montana. And it was pretty much a, a freestyle and Greco tech, I think uh, the, the, the folk style season really didn't exist outside of the high schools. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, back then, uh, AU is predominantly the, the association in the state of Montana. And then as USA grew up, 
but it was all freestyle stuff, freestyle and Greco for, for the youth. And then, uh, as you had stated earlier, uh, I really didn't dabble in folk style until I got closer to high school. So most kids who started, you know, young, I started when I was five. A lot of kids start, you know, between five and eight and progress up through. You don't really see folk style wrestling until junior high in Montana. And so by that time, you've been wrestling almost 10 years. And so you had a lot of skills. You're, you know, probably pretty decent by that time. Um, but, you know, Montana is a big, it's fourth largest state by area. And I don't know where we rank in population, but it's it's way down near the bottom. I mean, we just, I think Montana just eclipsed a million people total. So when I was in high school, when I was growing up and, and even younger, it was like 700,000 people. So you have to go, you have to travel. It, it's a lot of effort to get out, to have wrestling experience. And, uh, you know, at the time there were no, there were no D1 colleges. There still aren't. Uh, they were dropped in the early eighties. So when I was pretty young and, uh, so you had to make a lot of effort. You had to make a lot of effort to find next level information. And that meant going out to national level camps and clinics and events. And so, um, that really kind of helped develop the philosophy that I talked about earlier is just being open-minded and, and being willing to make the effort on top of that to, to get the information you need to get better. I got to open the door up for uh, Andrew Fair to jump in and Brian Hazard, who we didn't exactly introduce, although Bill did give him a little bit of a shout out uh, in his uh, kid state segment. Brian Hazard is going to jump in and join us here. Uh, Andrew, I want to pitch it to you in terms of, uh, you know, why Bill is coming. Uh, you, you've kind of touched on it as for the reason for the clinic and camp, but let's talk about what it means for Virginia to have a guy from USA wrestling for, from the national team staff during an Olympic year, no less to come to Virginia and teach our kids the be- not just the benefits of freestyle and Greco, but to, to, to show, I mean, he was a guy that went through it. He's got an NCAA title. He's got a world title. Boom. Boom is right. I can't tell you how lucky we are to have bill coming. And uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Cause I, I love learning and uh, want to see what, what he has to offer and how the kids respond. But uh, more importantly, excited for the kids and, and really to see um, see who really lights up and uh, embraces the opportunity. But um, just listening to Bill explain his, his background and experience in Montana, all I'm thinking about is how lucky our wrestlers here in Virginia are. You know, we have five Division One programs. Uh, national events are uh, either here in Virginia or pretty close. So, um we're in a pretty good spot. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, not only is it an Olympic year, but oh, Bill is uh, coming on the heels of uh, <clears throat> oh, two weeks down in Dallas for, for the Pan Am championships that were last weekend and then the Pan Am Olympic qualifiers, which are this next weekend. So we're very fortunate to uh, to get on his calendar and, and we're lucky that it all worked out. But um, uh, it, it's freestyle time and, and looking forward to to making the transition uh, out of folk style and uh, getting everybody excited about it. I'm going to pitch it over to Brian Hazard because, uh, Bill, what you don't know is Brian Hazard uh, has posters of you uh, plastered on the uh, on the inside of his walls, his locker room, and the in- underside of his desk. I think he's even got one in his shoe. Brian, you won't find a bigger Bill Zadig fan than Brian Hazard. Brian, what do you got on that? Well, thanks. I Brian. think Bill's one of my favorite people in the world. Well, thank Bill, you. Bill is he's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, doesn't have quite as good a beard as his brother, 
but uh, <laughs> you know we grew up traveling on the same on the same uh, you know the same track. He just was west coast of that that part of the country, and I was on the east coast. But we'd always see each other at, at the big events, and uh, you know we'd nod at each other as we walked past and got to know each other. Um, but I've always really looked up to Bill and watched him, watching him wrestle, and, and uh, I have it's, I have posters of you everywhere. Pretty awesome. <laughs> but one of the, one of the classiest guys I know. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliments. Bill, any rumor that uh, you 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 had to avoid the hazard tilt uh, in, in in some matches, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to get turned by that move named after Brian Hazard. <laughs> uh, I, on, I, man. I, I, man, it sounds pretty vicious. So you know, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, Andrew. As far as we've got, uh, you got the clinic again. Give us uh, dates, time, temperature, all that type of stuff. Sure. Saturday, March twelfth, we will be at St. Christopher's here in Richmond. Uh, we will kick it off at about eight eight thirty as people trickle in, and then we will get some general technique and uh, opportunities to roll around uh, until about eleven thirty with our uh, VAWA national team staff. We'll break for lunch, and. Uh, you know, then we're scheduled to have Bill and Mike uh, get going from 12.15 to 2.15. Uh, at 2.30, uh, we'll have Tim Pearson, who's our head official uh, here in VAWA, doing an Olympic or officials development program. Um, and then at 4.45, we'll have a coach's education and just a general Q&A uh, with Bill and Mike just to talk about their experiences, um, any uh, USA Wrestling uh, you know, questions as we head into an Olympic year. and then. Uh, for those that haven't had enough, uh, you know the VAWA group will head to to grab a little dinner nearby, just a, a little more time to hang out. So trying to make it an all-day affair as opposed to uh, just your standard show up and and wrestle for two hours clinic. But uh, that's uh, we're we're putting a twenty dollars price tag on that for full members. So uh, we think that we're uh, offering everybody a heck of a deal, and and hope that uh, folks will come join us in Richmond in a couple weeks. Yeah, I want to give Bill uh, the final word here. This is this is not a pitch necessarily about the camp, but about the American system of wrestling, the American, uh, the 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 people that are legends. The you know we've got Kyle Snyder who won a world title. We've got Jordan Burroughs, who's one of the you know the hottest wrestlers of the last generation right now in terms of his world Olympic titles. When you want to speak to the youth and the parents that may not be a hundred percent down on who the the senior level athletes are, the Olympic hopefuls are, what are some things that they really need to look for? What are some things or some people that they they can rally behind behind Team USA going into this Olympic year? We got the Olympic trials coming up uh, in April in Iowa City, a town you know very well. We've got the qualifiers, of course, this coming weekend. But uh, where, where's the sales pitch to, to rally the support? Let's just let's funnel it to Virginia right now. Get everybody watching. Get everybody behind Team USA as we as we we head to Rio. Yeah, well, you know, it's honestly, it's it's kind of kind of fits right in with like what's going on politically. You got the presidential election, a huge, huge time of uh, individual patriotism. We're all kind of galvanizing our our philosophies and ideas on where this country is going, and uh, to springboard off that, it's you know that's where we're at. And actually, before the election, we're going to be in Rio, so uh, it's it's an opportunity for us to do something great for our country. And the individuals that you mentioned, you know, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, you know, they still got to make that team. And even even Kyle, defending world champion, you're looking at uh, he's going to have to beat, you know, Jake Varner and J.D. Bergman and several other quality athletes at that weight. And so the Olympic trials in Iowa City, um, of course, they did an excellent job in uh, 
in 2012, and they're going to do a great job in 2016 as well. Um, there's going to be some shootouts, 65 kilos. It's an absolute gunfight. Uh, 86 kilos yet to be determined. It's going to be an absolute gunfight, and so the other weight. So it'll be it'll be exciting to see, you know, Brett Metcalf, Jordan Oliver, Logan Stever, Jimmy Kennedy, James Green, on and on and on, battle it out to see who's going to represent our team and win that gold medal for the red, white, and blue. And so the timing of this clinics, you know, apropos as, as state tournaments wind down, NCAA tournament winds down, and we're starting to pick up our freestyle Greco season, it's a great opportunity to get in there and uh, see some of the things that we probably already know how to do and just have a little bit different twist on them, you know, and uh, transition some of our skills that we already know, maybe folk style, you know, a simple one, real easy. Tight waist and tight waist and tilt, tight waist chop on. A lot a lot in common with a gut wrench. Just uh, you know, of course we can lock hands in three style and Greco, but adjusting some of our our attack a little bit and uh using those skills to move forward and make us successful in uh international style. So um you know really we're gonna try to have some fun, make sure the kids are having a good time and get excited about something that they can be successful with. And that's, you know, that's really the overriding philosophy is uh, fuel their passion, fuel their passion for what they're doing, show them that they can be successful and have fun doing it. And, you know, hopefully we'll have many, many more future stars. Yeah, March 12th at St. Chris. Check out all the information on Bill Zadick coming to town at virginiawrestling.com. Bill, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me. Always good to have Bill Zadick on the program. Got a chance to work with Bill for the three years I was out in Colorado Springs. And uh, little known fact that his brother Mike, with with in regard to the beard, hides packs of baseball cards in it because Mike Zadick, huge baseball card collector. That is actually a fact. Uh, <laughs> as far as I don't know where he where he puts them, uh, I think the beard could probably handle a couple wax packs. But uh, Andrew, we got some more big news to announce with VAWA in, in regard to a scholarship program that we have started. That's right. Busy time, JB. But the Dick Glover Virginia Wrestling Scholarship Fund that is run and administered by the Community Foundation um, has an application deadline of March 3rd. So high school seniors, if you're listening, parents, high school coaches, you got a kid who's graduating this spring who has been a member of VAWA at any time during their high school career and is going to a two- or four-year college next year, they are eligible. Uh, this, the, the eligibility criteria is wide open. And uh, we're just trying to do something to, to give back to uh, the wrestling community in Virginia. So uh, there's information on our website. I'll be sure to put an article up at the top just as a reminder. But um, uh, we have some good applicants uh, who have already completed the process. And we're excited about uh, helping somebody uh, defray a little college tuition next fall. Yeah, and, and of course, named after uh, Dick Glover, the longtime legendary coach at Woodbury Forest. And what was the, basically the idea behind putting this scholarship program together? Well, NCAA wrestling produces more first-generation college students, not college graduates, but more first-generation college students than any other NCAA sport. Uh, so we, uh, the state governing body of USA Wrestling here in Virginia, uh, wanted to do our part to, to give back. and. Um, uh, who better to to honor than than Dick Glover, who did so much uh, not only for uh, the generations of kids that he coached and taught at Blue Ridge and Woodbury Forest, but uh, he created the Virginia Private School tour- State Tournament uh, in the early '70s and 
Uh, he's just a consummate teacher, coach, mentor. So um, honoring a legend and also hopefully uh, creating a tradition of um, helping uh, a deserving student uh, going to college. As we transition there into college, it kind of it kind of brings up a, a point that uh, I didn't think about before we started the show. But uh, there were some Virginia colleges in action this past weekend as the Division Three regional qualifiers were going on. Nate, Nate Yetzer at Ferrum qualified two through as Paul Biggs and Logan Meister went through, and then uh, Washington and Lee. Hey, how about it? The Generals. Go general. Get, getting a qualifier, Ron Tassoni at 184 pounds. And then also some news with Hampton Sydney College hiring a new head coach, Chris Concrete, a name synonymous with uh, Virginia wrestling lore. Of course, uh, multiple time state champion at Cox from the Concrete family out in the uh, Virginia Beach region. For those of you uh, out, uh, let's just say the beach because they are in Virginia Beach. But uh, let's just get some thoughts about uh, the Division Three portion of it. Obviously, Andrew, you've got a tie to, to WNL with the legacy there. But, uh, you know, getting getting Ferrum, getting two through, you know, crawl before you walk. They had, Logan's qualified once before. Now it's his second trip. And, you know, WNL with their first qualifier in a number of years, this has got to be a strong move for Virginia wrestling. Huge for the southwest part of the state. You know, Nate Yetcher's doing a heck of a job down there. And, uh, um you know, WNL big for that program and a little shout out to Ron Tassoni. Ron came and trained with our guys and helped coach at our Fargo camp at Virginia Tech last summer. So uh, always rooting for the Virginia schools, but uh, especially a, a, a guy like Ron, who was just such a great addition to our training camp. I, I wasn't sure how having a college guy who was training and not a coach per se would work out, but he was so humble and, and, and asking questions and also uh, just a, a, an asset to camp and, you know, offering some expertise uh, to our kids. And uh, so been rooting for him all year, but, you know, what a good kid. And uh, uh, you know, we'll all be pulling for both uh, Ron and then, and then the two qualifiers from Ferrum. So uh, great stuff happening down that way. Brian, I want to get your thoughts on the the Chris Concrite hire. I mean, uh, Hampton Sydney had just started up wrestling. They had uh, Mac Main was a golf coach and had wrestling experience. He was a wrestling coach in this first year, but now they're gonna they're gonna hire uh, a guy with a lot of wrestling tradition. He's got he had a lot of college experience, and of course the name synonymous wrestling. And and so Hampton Sydney being an all men's school, you don't have Title IX to worry about. And uh, so so Brian, I want to get your thoughts here on uh, the the newest Division three school in Virginia uh, that reinstated wrestling and, and and hiring Chris Concrite, a name from a lot of people's past. And, and, you know, I mean, unbelievable wrestler when he was at Cox. And, and I tell you, he was at the five and six day tournament hustling there with his tie on, his Hampton Sydney hat on. He was busting his tail trying to, to talk to all the coaches and, and, and say, hey, there is another opportunity in Virginia for, for your athletes to do. I mean, obviously, we have some great Division One programs. Not every kid is built for Division One. And uh, these are opportunities for kids, uh, good students good student-athlete, to get involved in a program at the ground level and uh, to really start something and start a legacy of something great. Uh, I'm totally excited to have Coach Concrete involved in, in Virginia wrestling, and, and uh, I, I think the, the feeling is totally high there. Now, shift gears and uh, do some recapping from our state wrestling championships and national preps because uh, the private schools in Virginia do have the, uh, the Virginia – Independent state tournament, and then they go on to the national prep championships. But in 6A, Colonial Forge with another championship. Matoka in a dogfight edges Hickory for the team title in 5A. Christiansburg had a little bit of a push from uh, three other teams, Cave Spring, Brentsville, and Pocosin, uh to win 3A 
Uh, 2A was won by Grundy, 1A won by Rural Retreat in a Rural Retreat runaway. Boy, them boys know how to wrestle in Rural Retreat. Benedictine wins the private schools and the national preps. Top placing team was, from Virginia was St. Christopher. So, Andrew, with uh, the private schools. And, and 4A was Fauquier, right? 4A was Fauquier. You're right. I skipped over that. My bad. So, yeah. uh, Lo Ciento, Fauquier, the Falcons, 4A state champs. And, uh, it's, you know, we well, well, what's one thing that's good is we didn't have any of the shenanigans we did last year, which was nice. So let's start with, uh, since we don't have the, the shenanigans about the the bracketing and the weather and whatnot, so let's start with Andrew with the private schools and national preps. Let's give us a rundown there. Sure. You, As you mentioned, St. Christopher's took fifth, and uh, that was uh, neat to be a part of that on a personal level, but cool to see a Virginia team crack the top five with uh, Joey Prada making the finals and falling in a tight bout, and then Carter Davis at 170 took third, just got really hot, and uh, was a hammer on top, and Connor Alexander um, took fifth at 113. And then Benedictine had uh, had two All-Americans with Josh Weiland taking third at, uh, or excuse me, taking uh, seventh at uh, 138. And then Harry Young taking eighth at 195. Um, uh, Paul the Six, uh, Mike Eastman, head coach at Paul the Six, doing a heck of a job. Brennan McDonough uh, placed at 113. And James Frazier uh, placed at 220. And then uh, a special shout-out to Brian Sackerless down at Roanoke Catholic. Uh, Brian uh, made the decision that he was going to make the cut down to 152 in the middle of the year, and uh, it, it paid off uh, big time for him as he made the semis uh, and then uh, dropped a semi-bout but battled back and, and uh, took third place. Um, so really happy for Brian and, and Robin Leonard and Zach Nybert are just doing really good stuff at Roanoke Catholic, which is a teeny teeny day school in Roanoke. I, I think the number of boys they have in the upper school is maybe a hundred, maybe under a hundred. So uh, they're building down there and uh, exciting to see uh, Virginia have a pretty strong showing at national preps. I know neither of you guys were there, but there's a couple matchups from the, uh, the two, eight of uh, the one, eight of four, a, that I want to really jump out. And as I was looking at the brackets, I was actually on vacation down in Florida and I'm going through looking at these draws and, and I look at four, a one eighty two. And you talk about two kids that have really represented VAWA very well, uh, John Borst of Sharando, T.J. Allen of Hanover. That, you know, even back in the old system with the three classes plus the private school, so the four instead of the seven, a Borst-Allen match would have had people buzzing. And, you know, 12 to 6, Borst got the win. And, and two kids, Andrew, that have really been a strong part of VAWA, they've put the time in. And, you know, that's a high-quality final, you know, any place in the country. Any place in the country. And you hit the nail on the head. Two kids who have not only been a part of what we're doing with VAWA, but super good kids, great parents, great families. Uh, excited for both of them. Uh, TJ's headed to wrestle for Dresser at Tech, and and John Borst is, uh, you know, working through that process. But he's going to have lots of options. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, we're solid at 182, uh, around that 182, 195 range. Jilo, Antonio, Ag, TJ Allen, John Borst. Virginia is deep at those upper weights. So um, it's nice that, that we can actually have a, a quality state final here or there since we have 8 million divisions these days. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, excited for those kids and um, you know, excited to see what John Borst does this coming summer because I'll tell you what, uh, the rest of the country better watch out because that dude woke up on Sunday after he won a state title um, and, and was working out again. You know, he's He's never satisfied, so. He's got a very high ceiling as he uh, continues to get around high-level coaching and, and training situations. 
couple matches I want to pull out of, of 3A, mainly it, not just because I went there, not just because I'm a Pocosin grad, but there were two finals that uh, I had uh, a close eye on. One was at 113 with Patrick McCormick beating Xander Whitehurst to Christiansburg in almost the exact same fashion that he beat him last year. And Whitehurst had beaten him earlier in the year, so this was kind of, uh, the, the rubber match between the two. And uh, actually, I think this might be the fourth time they wrestled. But, uh, you know, McC- uh, almost the exact same scenario. Late, late third period versus force overtime, takedown and overtime. And then uh, Ross Graham picks up his third state title, beating uh, Elijah Say of Stanton River. And, and Say had beaten him earlier in the year. And uh, it was one of those things. It's like those are two matches. Again, two high-quality finals. Even though we've got a lot of classes, those in 3A, I mean, there's a lot more high-quality finals. I mean, the Bushman kid from Cave Spring is a horse. I mean, we've got all sorts of kids that we're starting to see. Uh, you know, we've gotten past the all right. You know, we've got too many classes. But uh, we're seeing really, really high-quality finals here in, in the smaller divisions. Sure. Uh, in addition to Noah Bushman, Cody Amos went up and won the Powerade. And um, I think one of the most exciting things about um, the talent that we have in Virginia is that uh, we get to really see what we're worth at some of these national level events. And you know, we touched on national preps. So I've got to give you know, Benedictine and, and Coach Hall a shout out. You know, they finished 12th. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a really strong indication of, of what they're doing. and, and um, you know, all these other uh, programs that are building. Cape Springs doing a heck of a job. We touched on these state champs and, and the individuals that are uh, the matchups, like you mentioned, at, at 113, and then uh, Elijah Say and Ross Graham. So uh, we're pretty excited about what's going on around the state. Going over to 5A, where Matoica edges Hickory to win a third straight 5A state championship. And, and, and Coach Hazard, you were on the 6A side, but that, you know, right there in the gym, it was like, okay, it comes, it comes down to the last match of the tournament where you've got, a, you know, Anthony Helm from a, just a, a monster of a heavyweight who's actually going to end up going to Virginia Tech, uh, wrestling a kid from Bethel who was the fourth uh, seed out of his region. Uh, you know, kind of a surprise finals. Believe it or not, the first Bethel state finalist since Nathan Shy won a AAA state title at 103 pounds in 1998 and here's the fact i was actually sitting in nate shy's living room in miami uh checking this stuff out and it's like hey nate you're you're now a trivia question so uh you know brian let's just take us through that last scenario with you know there was a slam involved i mean there was all sorts of high drama with this 5a tournament and that that 5a side was uh the decibels was so much louder on the 5a side than the 6a side because it did it came down to the very end uh Hickory was right there. Ben Summerlin, who has been a big part of Awa the last several years, uh, his team has brought his team up uh, to, to the cusp. And Anthony Helm lifts that kid, drops that kid. They call it the slam, and uh, you could just hear the air go out of the Matoka group. And the Hickory people got on their feet, and they were so excited. And then they called, you know, the two-minute recovery time, and, like, 15, 20 seconds to go in recovery time. Uh, the Bethel coach and the Bethel kid, uh, he got right back up. And the Hickory people sat down, and everybody put their hands together for the, the classiness of, of, of the Bethel young man. And then uh, Anthony went and pinned him you know, a short time after that. And uh, well-deserved by uh, the new staff there at Matoka. And, uh, and Anthony, you know, going in his fourth state final, his third state championship, and uh, it, it was it was it was a, a really cool way to end a, a tournament. I think if you're going to go to any tournament, you want some high drama. You want you don't want people sitting on their hands at the end. And and it came down 
to the last second, which was awesome. Now, Brian, you're sitting here in 6A. Let's give us a rundown of your thoughts there. Obviously, you were coaching there with Robinson. Uh, you had some guys in the finals, your son included, and you know came away with a champ. And you, you've got uh, a lot of drama there as well in 6A, although Ford's kind of didn't make it uh, a whole lot of drama when it came to the actual team scores situation. But, uh, you know, quality of the tournament on the 6A side. Uh, I tell you, there were better finals in 6A than I've seen in years. Overtime matches, people coming back in the third period. Uh, and, and and guys just wrestling their tails off. Um, I, I, one of the things I found to be really interesting, uh, being being a VAWA member, is that you look at the teams that placed in the top ten. Uh, the North definitely did their part. Uh, Colonial Forge always has kids wrestling on VAWA teams. Uh, second place, Battlefield. They've really come on. They have a lot of guys wrestling um, on the national scene. Hayfield had an unbelievable end of the year. Uh, finishing second in the region and, and third in the state. Uh, McLean came back and wrestled their tail off. They put a lot of guys in the Vawa rooms. Uh, we were, Robinson was fifth. And, you know, uh, if you if you kind of go down, amazing how you can look at the teams that have guys who are competing in the offseason, wrestling freestyle, wrestling in the big event, and uh, doing their part to be top of the state. There's There's no secret to it. These guys are busting their tail. Uh, one one of the another awesome thing, um, what was was just to watch and, and you talked about the the, the steadiness of 182. Last year at 182, uh, you had four kids: Cold Deep Basketball one, and um, uh, AG was second. Uh, then you had Winters and Aiello right there in, in top four. Well, Winters, Aiello, and AG all won state titles at 82, 95, and 220. Which you know you looked at those guys over the, the spring and over the summer and even into the fall, they wrestled their butts off and, and all grew into a weight class that would allow them to win a state title in 6A. Totally exciting for those guys. There's one thing. I want to circle back to 3A, and I think this has probably been the most uh, controversial point of it. And, again, this isn't the, we're, we're not attacking any of the kids here. Or you know, I mean, we know that uh, the kids wrestle and, and things are sometimes out of their control, but it was the – uh, the the John Turner from Lord Botetourt Nathan Johnson match in Warren County and this match, uh, very controversial, ended up with a nine eight win by Turner. But there were some uh, several stall calls late. I went and watched the match. I know it's been on Facebook. It's been a topic on all the all the, uh, the message boards within Virginia, uh, with the Virginia board and on Twitter. And I, I sit there and I watch this, and I, I'm just kind of befuddled on on how something like this can happen. I, I guess uh, Andrew, have you had a chance to watch the film on this? I have not seen the film on that one. All right, so Hazard, you have, so <laughs> I have. Yikes! I mean, that's all you I know, can it, say it, is it, yikes. That's all I can say. It, it, it was out of the kids' control. Uh, the the young man from from Botetourt did a great job to get to the finals, and and you know, deserving of a state title. However, when you see a young man um, get a takedown, let the kid up and get two or three stall calls in the last thirty seconds of a match to go one, uh, one, two, I mean, come on, you just, that, that's not a way you want to win and definitely not a way you want to lose. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty tough to watch. Yeah. And from a, okay. So say a scenario like this unfolds during, uh, the see, I mean, it's not your kid, so you, you, you're not going to, you know, 
challenge on that respect. But say something like that happens to one of your kids in 6A. What is What does the coach do? Maybe not what Brian Hazard does, but what, what does the coach do in this situation? Uh, obviously, the result's going to stand, but uh, what can be done, I guess, if, if there's something needs to be changed or something needs to be brought up? I mean, what's the procedure uh, to kind of, uh, you know, sometimes the officials have to be held in check, too, sometimes. Right, and unfortunately, you can't grieve a judgment call. Uh, but there, there has to be a way uh, to make sure that doesn't happen again, whether it's the censure by the VHSL, uh, whether it's video review somehow. Uh, I'm pretty sad that the assistant referee didn't go in there and say, you don't make another call. But unfortunately, it just sometimes judgment lapses. And uh, if it's one of my kids, uh, gosh, as a coach, you've probably a you're probably educator. losing a team point getting thrown out of the gym, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you want to de-escalate it first, but that, that's easy to say from an outsider when it's happening to you at that time. Uh, yeah, I I I don't know what I would do uh, beyond being a complete and utter freak uh, because that is hard to watch and it's a hard thing to pill to swallow. Not a whole lot of places we can go on this without, you know, beating a dead horse, so to speak. Because again, it's not a, not an attack on the kids or the or the coaches at those particular programs. And you know, I've spent a year as an official. I know it's not easy, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know I've got NCAA wrestling officials that have I, I tagged them on Facebook. I go watch this, and they're just dumbfounded. So I mean, you know, one, they, Tim Shields, the head of the NCAA wrestling officials association, I saw him at the Minnesota State tournament. Oh my goodness, he was like, wow. Uh, and, well, speaking of the Minnesota State Tournament, I want to actually shift gears to that a little bit. It doesn't involve Virginia, but there is a pretty big national story that did come out of Minnesota, and it's a young man by the name of Mark Hall who at Apple Valley High School, one of the powerhouses in this country, won his sixth state championship. And let me – people are going to – wait a minute, what, six? Yeah, in Minnesota, you can wrestle with a, with an athletic waiver or with a waiver that's showing you're mature enough to wrestle in the seventh and eighth grade. And Mark Hall wins six state individual titles. He was part of six state team champions, and they do uh, their state champions. They do duels on Thursday, so eight teams from the three classes wrestle in a dual meet. So there's three rounds done, and then they wrestle the individual tournament on Friday and Saturday. The Excel Center is where the Minnesota Wild play hockey. It is a fantastic major league sports arena for these kids to wrestle in. They don't keep a team score. For the individual side, so the state championship team is determined by duels, and this opens up a couple of discussion points. I think we can close out here on is one uh, the the fact that uh, six, seventh and eighth graders can wrestle in Minnesota. And Andrew, you've got uh, eighth graders wrestling uh, for varsity programs in, in at the private school level. So let's start with you on this. Uh, your take on the the eighth grade participation at the high school level? Uh, pros, cons, thoughts, reflections. Well, I think it's great if if everybody is. Uh... Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's great. I think it provides kids an opportunity to wrestle if they're ready for it, and if people aren't taking advantage of the rule, you can obviously see the down, the potential downsides if uh, you know people are um, you know trying to take advantage of the rules and get kids in when they're not ready. But uh, I think it's something that every state should look at, especially um, with the frustrations that so many have about forfeits and incomplete rosters. I I like well, it. Well, and 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 you know I. I'm at a between uh, Lake Braddock, Cape Field, and Robinson. We're secondary schools, so our seventh and eighth graders are in our building. And the fact that we don't have middle school sports in Fairfax County, but these kids are in our building and they can't practice with us. Uh, you, you just look at some of the talent 
and some of the mature kids walking through the halls. Gosh, I'd love to have those guys on my in my in my room or on my team filling out our roster and and, and making it that much better. Uh, I was watching the middle school tournament this weekend in Richmond, and you know, uh, what four of the kids who are seventh and eighth graders at Robinson were champions. And uh, gosh, looking at them, I'd love to have them in my room. Yeah, and with the, that secondary school, the 7 through 12, for those who are unfamiliar, like, you know, it's small towns. You've got the schools, the middle schools sometimes connected with the high school, and, and you can see that. I guess it, it becomes a little bit more of an option when you, uh, or more of a problem when you've got, you know, the middle school is split four different ways to, to four different high schools, for example, mm-hmm. which is uh, not uncommon, although they keep building, you know, for lack of a better term, double A sized high schools, uh, the old double A, not the new double A, uh, <laughs> all over the place <laughs> instead of these monster uh, edifices like, uh, like Robinson Secondary. And, you know, when you look at the competitive competitive standpoint, uh, there's there there could be also drawbacks to it. It's like okay, does it, you know you get a, you're throwing a seventh grader in there to, to fill 106? Not necessarily the intent and the spirit of the rule, as Brian you were saying, but uh, you know it definitely makes the conversation interesting when you've got a kid that's like in seventh grade. You know, wrestling in the state final. I think we had a, uh, one or two eighth graders here in Minnesota actually win a state championship, and they were at the lower weights. And then there was one kid, uh, a kid named. Uh, Peel, I believe. I think he's going to the Naval Academy. I think he placed five times at heavyweight, or I could be confusing him with a South Dakota kid who placed at heavyweight as like an eighth grader, which is almost you know, never happens. But, uh, you know, opening the doors, I don't think we're going to see the VHSL do anything like that soon but because we know what we get with, with them. But uh, that, that also jumps over to what I had talked about with the duels and the individuals. We're going to stick with this uh, six publics and one private school class. What is the drawback? to doing what Minnesota does, to do what New Jersey does, and say, all right, we're going to cl- crown our team state champions by the dual meet, you know, like-minded schools, same-size schools, and then you know, we're not even tracking a team score at the state tournament because the team score did not affect a single thing with the, uh, the individual tournament in Minnesota. As a matter of fact, if you'd have totaled up the team score, St. Michael Albertville would have won the individual tournament but Apple Valley beat him in the dual meet on Thursday to win the team title. So Brian Hazard, team versus dual tournament versus duels to determine a state champion. Thoughts, reflections. Uh, I, you know, for years we've said we wanted to do a dual meet tournament, and and the the major drawback from the organization is the the financial side of it. Um, there is a huge difference between four or five stud individuals all placing and winning a, a state title when you can't fill the rest of the lineup. And if we're looking at a team championship, it should be based on the best team, the best 14 athletes across the board who, uh, you know, and, and, and it takes away this, you know, just doing the individual takes away the strategy of the dual meet. How do you win a dual meet? How do you win as a team? Who, who you know, who's the, the guy who gives up uh, a decision instead of a major decision, um, you know, gets that last, point to make it a seven point to win a duel um and and there is something super excited about super exciting about a dual meet format um also uh, you could do a couple dual meets in the night we talk all the time about keeping the dual meet keeping the sport exciting uh you can do a couple dual meets in three hours as opposed to a 12 to 14 hour day uh, and that gets the fans, that gets the butts in the seat. And so uh, I would love, 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 love to see a dual meet tournament for a state title. Andrew, what are the possibilities of uh, the private schools considering a, a dual meet championship? Obviously, you guys can kind of govern yourselves in that respect. And 
Now, you've talked about it on this show before that it, things are a little different between the VHSL and how the private school wrestling uh, kind of governs itself. But what are some options, uh, or has that been discussed on the private school side of things, having a dual meet state champion? The past two years, we have we've run a Visa State Duels, uh, an unofficial private school dual championship event uh, held in late January on uh, Saturday at St. Chris. Um, and, it, you know, it's great. It's great to get everybody in the building and, and get some matches and uh, crown a, a dual, dual meet champion, if you will. But um, <clears throat> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share a little information. Everybody in Virginia needs to stay tuned because VAWA is looking at potentially organizing a, dual meet championship event that would combine divisions and um and allow some of these uh matchups that we always discuss to possibly take place uh it's not set in stone but we've been talking about it for for about a month or two and uh if we can we can get enough of the bigger programs um on board then we will try and make that happen uh hopefully for next year if not we may try it again the following year Hmm, little nugget uh we call that a tease in the, uh, we call that a tease, a teaser for future episodes of this show. So uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up episode 11 here. We'd like to thank Bill Zanuck, U.S. national team coach, for coming on. He's coming to do a clinic at St. Chris on March the 12th. Check out virginiawrestling.com for more information on that. We've got the Dick Glover Scholarship again on virginiawrestling.com. We've talked with Andrew Farah, Bill Swink, and Brian Hazard. So, gentlemen, it's uh, it's postseason for the colleges. I'm I'm amped up. I'm gonna. Me and Brian just had a call today uh, with the NCAA. We're we're amped for Madison Square Garden. Uh, I'm getting amped for Rio. Yay, Rio, Rio. You know what's that song? Duran Duran. Her name is Rio, and she. Rio, yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. yeah. Let's stop, 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 stop. I'm gonna cut that out of the show. No, I'm gonna leave that because they need to hear how bad Brian Hazard is. But. Uh, yeah, everything That's about awful. you, you can find out on this show at matttalkonline.com or vawa.matttalkonline.com. It's on iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. And anything you need to know about VAWA, go to virginiawrestling.com. Andrew, Bill, and the crew will be sure to answer your questions. So we'll see you next time. Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.